Part two of The Birth of Professional Rugby League in Australia. Selections from the Sydney Morning Herald, 1907 to 1908. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Wave of Discontent, 6th of August. Tuesday, 6th of August, 1907. Rugby Football, A Wave of Discontent, MRU Administration. Eruption of professionalism, new league forming. It would seem that the formation of a New Zealand professional football team was all that was needed to fan into flame a smouldering discontent in our own rugby world. There is decidedly trouble abroad today, and already a struggle between amateur and professional football may be said to have been entered upon. Interviews in various quarters yesterday elicited the fact that there have been murmurings against the administration of the Metropolitan Rugby Union for some time, the players objecting to that body amassing huge balances, while they themselves, the instruments of the amassing, were allowed to be out of pocket in regard to various matches. When the news was passed round that the New Zealand professional team wanted matches here, the state of local feeling was clearly demonstrated in the fact that, at the risk of disqualification from the amateur unions, a large number of first-class players volunteered to represent this state. This gave the secessionists something tangible to work on, and a professional union or league, it is already spoken of as the Rugby League of New South Wales, is now regarded as a certainty. One prominent figure in the new movement declares unequivocally that six first-class teams will be playing under the league next year. On the other hand, the MRU officials, while admitting an undercurrent of discontent, do not view the advent of professionalism with alarm, believing that the public will not support it, and that it will speedily work itself out. The secessionists are careful to explain that professional football here will not be like the professional football in England, where a man can earn his living at the game. Here it is intended to ensure the players against accident, pay their playing and training expenses, and, quote, perhaps make them a bonus at the end of the season, according to results. It is claimed that under such an arrangement, the players will be no more professionals than our international cricketers, and that they will be doing openly and above board far less than is being done in the matter of payments to players already. It is further urged that the standard of football will be raised by reason of the players taking it more seriously and training more solidly. As one advocate says, it will be the survival of the fittest. But the amateurs hold that with the game on a purely money basis, it must degenerate, as all games have done in the circumstances, and that if professional football got the upper hand, incalculable harm from a rugby point of view would be done among the young players, who are now looked to to recruit the first-class ranks. The thing can't last, a MRU official's view. Mr. J. A. Payton, Secretary of the Eastern Suburbs Club and a member of the Management Committee of the Metropolitan Rugby Union, in the course of conversation with a Herald representative yesterday, said that he was afraid there was at present among the players a strong undercurrent of feeling in favour of professionalism. The big gate money appeared to be responsible for it. Personally, Mr. Payton could see a good deal in the matter from a professional point of view. If a man were a champion footballer, and he thought that he could make more money of it than at anything else, 
should he not be entitled to earn it if the professional game could be properly organised. At the same time, he was emphatically of the opinion that professional football would ruin the sport. It would cease to be a game in the accepted sense, and would go the way of all sports that money had controlled in this country. He for one would decidedly have nothing to do with it. Quote, there has been some mention of our union taking over both forms of the game. That, of course, is altogether impossible. The moment we had anything to do with professionalism, we would sever all connections with the English and New Zealand unions, so we daren't do it. However, Mr. Peyton went on to say, I don't think there is as much to be feared from the movement as some imagine. I really do not think that professional football could last here. We have not the population to support it, for one thing even if the public did throw over the amateurs, and I don't think they would do that. The best year the union ever had was last year, when there was a profit of £2,500. Now we have 11 clubs, and allowing even only 20 players for each, you see that would mean that 220 players would have to be provided for. Divide £2,500 up between 220, and see what an absurd amount per man it would give for the season and I'm afraid that they would be a long time before they had such an amount to divide. Even granting excellent patronage, professional football could not be run as cheaply as the amateur game, and you may depend upon it, if the whole thing were a purely money affair, the grounds would demand a good deal more than they ask of us. No, I guess the thing won't last. The public will stick to the amateurs, even if they didn't give them the best football. There will not be sufficient money in it, and, furthermore, the scheme will eventually break down for want of players. As with every man for himself and the money he can make, not sufficient attention will be paid to the young players, certainly not nearly as much as the MRU devotes to them now. At the same time, whether the thing is destined to failure or success, said Mr. Peyton in conclusion, it seems certain that a number of men will go over to the new body if it is formed, and among them will be several first-class players. Come to stay, more liberality and better football. Mr. J. Giltonen, who has in hand the arrangements in connection with the forthcoming visit of the New Zealand team, is confident that professional football is coming to stay. You can take it for certain that next year we'll see six teams playing under the Rugby League of New South Wales, he declared emphatically. To suggest that the thing can't last, he went on to say, is absurd. The very best rugby in England is being played professionally, and when we link up with New Zealand and England, there will be far more interesting games to be witnessed than at present. There can be no doubt that professional football will be the better game, for the simple reason that the players will have to take it very seriously, and see to it that they are in absolutely the very best condition to do any good at it at all. Of course, Mr Giltonen continued, what will be called professionalism here will not be anything like what is so termed in England. In the old country, the professional footballer can absolutely live on the game, but he won't be able to do that here. As a matter of fact, it will be no more strictly professional than our international amateur cricket of today. We shall simply see to it that a man's expenses shall be paid in connection with each match, and not let him be put seriously out of pocket, as is often the case with players from the ranks of working men, under the niggardly policy of the MRU, and at the end of each season the players will probably be given bonuses according to the results achieved in the matter of gate money. There will be no piling up of great balances and the buying of racecourses, 
while the men who share the gates are allowed actually to be at a loss that is the crux of the whole position and the mru has only itself to blame for the turn events are taking at the same time it is going to be all the better from the point of view of the public for as i say the new professionalism must make for a decidedly higher standard of play mr giltonen was questioned in regard to the team to play against the professional new zealanders but refused to be drawn as to the personnel of the new south wales team all i can say is this he said we have had enough applications for inclusion to turn out three teams and you may take it as a fact that they are not the worst men who have applied the team will go into quarters on the tenth and will thenceforward do nothing but prepare for the first match on the seventeenth and i think i may confidently say that for that match as in those on the twenty-first and twenty-fourth the public will be treated to as fine an exhibition of real football as has been seen in the state the mru criticised a fair deal wanted turn professional said the secretary of one of the most powerful teams in the competition when asked if his men would join the professional movement why the boys would turn anything so long as they got a bit better deal than they are getting from the metropolitan union why shouldn't they get something out of the game besides kicks you take it from me if the right men start this professional movement in sydney they will get nearly every man playing in the union competitions of course it doesn't do to mention names at present but i can tell you that every member of my club will go over not that the boys want to be paid for their saturday afternoon's fun but they think and rightly so too that as they draw the crowd they should get something out of the gate money what do they get well it will surprise the many thousands who fight their way into the cricket ground to see the big matches to know what the champions who sport the light blue guernseys receive in return for the hard training they have to undergo and the hard knocks they have to contend with to begin with when a man joins a club he has to pay his entrance fee of five shillings then he has to buy his own outfit if he lives at north sydney and his team is playing at the cricket ground he has to pay his own fare to reach the place where thousands pay their shillings to see him and his club mates play up till a month ago if he got hurt during the match and was unable to work that was his lookout he would perhaps get a couple of guineas from the union while any other support would have to come from his club mates who would organise concerts to raise funds under extreme pressure that was altered a month ago when the medical fund was started now a man gets all his doctor's fees paid and receives one pound a week while he is incapacitated that's a fine lot anyhow to risk your limbs for at the start of the season each club gets thirty pound for training expenses why with three grades going that hardly buys embrocations thank goodness the players are taking a tumble to it now and next season you'll see something different the union officials see the change coming too that's why they bought epping they saw that the men who made the sport were going to try and get some of the returns and perhaps some of the thousands the union had tied up so they straight away purchase epping and in so doing sink all their reserve and leave a tidy lot to be paid off in future years they have been very clever but before the matter has been fixed up they will find that they have bitten off more than they can chew nothing new professionalism rife now what do you think of the new movement was asked the secretary of one of the leading metropolitan clubs by a representative of the herald yesterday what new movement was the inquiry the professional movement in local football was the reply 
why bless my soul was the retort you are green that's no new movement we've had professionalism in sydney football for years everybody knows it all the club officials know it the union knows it but they can't prove it and to save trouble they don't try much why nearly every club pays directly or indirectly for the services of one or two men every saturday and i don't blame them take an instance suppose we've got a rattling good forward he might be a butcher or a grocer and can't get off on saturday afternoon are we going to lose his services when we can get them by putting another man on in his place in the shop at the cost of five shillings not much we pay the dollar and our forward plays i call that fair but there are cases where some players get half a sovereign for the game of course there's no receipt given and no one sees the passing of the money but still it is pretty well known that several players aren't in the game for pure sport there's a case i know of one club wanted forwards pretty badly and two members of another team were approached to see if they would throw in their lot with the team that wanted them they said they would come if they could get a good job in the district the good job was secured for the men who would have got an advance of seven shillings a week on the wages they were earning but just as they were about to transfer they backed out and kept their old jobs saying it paid them better to stick at their old club than to take a rise of seven shillings and leave the district who was going to pay the seven shillings the club of course a plea for professionalism i think by next year there will be seven or eight professional football clubs in sydney said mr lewis g abrams one of the delegates from the glebe club to the metropolitan union when asked his opinion as to the prospects of the professional movement in new south wales mr abrams who is known as the father of electoral football is strongly in favour of a change there is no reason he said why football clubs in which there are professional players should not exist here the same as they do in england i see no difference in playing football for payment to playing cricket for money the thing could be very easily managed he continued there should be a new south wales rugby football league formed in the metropolis they could form about eight district clubs membership should be confined to bona fide residents of districts the same as at present and before long there would be a strong competition going the league should govern the sport and manage the matches and the proceeds after deducting certain expenses should be divided amongst the competing clubs pro rata professionalism was not so bad as people wanted to make it out alec bannerman and howell were professionals and nobody thought any the less of them for it it was far better he thought to be a straight-out professional than an amateur who with his bill of expenses got three times as much as the despised professional he would like to see professional football introduced and it would then be the survival of the fittest professionalism went very well in cricket and it should prove satisfactory in football there was more reason for a football player to be a professional than a cricketer for he ran a lot more risks and under present conditions he only got a pound a week if he was unable to work through accidents in his opinion the union was responsible for the strong support the professional movement was receiving if they had not been so niggardly with their funds and had treated the players a little more liberally the players would have shown more loyalty under the present state of affairs the players by joining the professional movement were losing little with a chance of gaining much he could not say whether football would be improved by the introduction of the new system but he felt satisfied that the men would pay more attention to their training seeing that it was a matter of pounds shillings and pence to them 
besides encouraging those playing at present payment would bring forward many men who could not afford to risk their limbs merely for the sport he did not think the game was likely to suffer by the introduction of professionalism football was not like pedestrianism one or two men could not sell a match there would of course be an effort made by the strongest clubs to get all the best men but this would have to be guarded against by the league rules the professional movement had been anticipated by the union he continued and for fear the clubs next year would vote themselves some of the accumulated funds they decided to remove the temptation by sinking the money in purchasing epping racecourse asked if he would be connected with the new movement mr abrams replied my services are not required by the amateurs and if i am requested i may do something for the professionals local unions responsible mean and niggardly policies purchase of epping condemned little better than a foul yard i think the two unions by their treatment of the players have themselves very largely to blame for the professional spirit which is manifesting itself in rugby said a gentleman prominently connected with one of the unions our cricket association he went on to say recompenses the players for loss of salary and recognition of the principle that it is only a matter of justice that this should be done has not detrimentally affected the game here in any way whatever in england the professional cricketer plays along with the amateur with the result that the standard of the game has been very considerably raised similarly i see no reason why a footballer here who considers he should be paid for his services should not be allowed to take part in a match with another whom circumstances have placed above such necessity it must not be forgotten that the young men who take part in football must be of the strong burly kind and necessarily a large proportion of these must come from the working class the game is a hard one and there are plenty of hazards and hard knocks connected with it a man may get badly injured and may be laid up for weeks or months and all he may receive is a few shillings a day for a certain time for his loss of work then too the manner in which our representatives are treated when away on tour has aroused a feeling among them that they are not being anything like fairly dealt with take for instance the present team away in western australia by the time it comes back here it will have been away some weeks and can any reasonable man say that three shillings a day is a fair remuneration for men many of whom have nothing but their hard-earned wages to depend on it might be said that if they cannot afford the time or loss of money they should not make the trip but if that principle were acted upon it would eventually be a serious blow to our great winter game besides that it would be very humiliating if a man's position prevented him from representing his state when called upon to do so given a firm controlling body who would see that the greedy gambling spirit was kept out of the sport and i see no reason why a man's services should not be paid for either by his club or state of course so far as recompensing a man for loss of salary is concerned it would be necessary to draw a line somewhere but as a broad general principle i fail to see there is anything dangerous about it but so far as the clubs are concerned are they in a position to pay for the services of any of their men would there not have to be some arrangement with the union about the ground receipts were the next questions asked that is so was the reply and i think it would be a very good thing for the clubs if a certain percentage of the takings were handed over to them there is no doubt that it is a very sore point with many 
that the metropolitan union has thousands of pounds sunk in investments and they want to know why the clubs at least should not receive some portion of the proceeds which the public pay to see the different matches has the purchase of the epping ground by the metropolitan union given rise to any dissatisfaction yes was the answer not only because the ground by many is looked upon as unsuitable but also because it is regarded as a move on the part of the union to sink a large sum of money which might otherwise tempt some of the clubs to ask for a share of it personally i think it's a bad business transaction for the place is little better than a fowl yard where do you think people will prefer to go when having the choice of other places such as wentworth park university oval or the sydney cricket ground besides people can see better from the outside without paying than they can inside again it will cost thousands of pounds to put in a proper condition to accommodate the spectators and even when that is done i doubt if the place will ever find favour with those who for the time being may patronise it there is another point however i should like to refer to last season notwithstanding the visits of teams to the country the association had a net profit of over two thousand three hundred pound would it not be a good thing on the part of the union if it set apart say two thousand pound of this and said in effect to one of the clubs we will give you this so that you can set about getting a ground in your own district i think this a matter which should engage the serious consideration of the union most of the outside matches are played on the parks and at some time or other the public may object to the best part of them being given over to football or other sports as it is there is already a strong feeling in some quarters against charges for admission being made to certain portions under the circumstances the union would be acting wisely by at once taking up this question of providing the clubs with grounds for in a few years the land may not be available except at prohibitive cost but reverting to this matter of professionalism again would not its adoption mean that there could be no connection in any way between the english and new south wales unions well what if it does was the reply it would be a pity in one way but if we are going to have rugby at all let us have it under australian conditions we must think of those of our boys who have not been born with silver spoons in their mouths the raising of this professional team which is going to england has been a great blow to many rugby enthusiasts in new zealand but the union there by carrying out the same mean niggardly policy that the unions here have followed must be held responsible for this new movement was it reasonable to ask those young men to absent themselves from their homes for months perhaps lose their positions and then expect them after enriching the new zealand union to the extent of thousands of pounds to rest satisfied with an allowance of three shillings a day this team of all blacks which is going to england may be the beginning but i am certain that it will not be the end of professionalism in new zealand again if there are unions in new zealand and australia where the professional element is admitted what could it matter if those unions were not recognised by the amateur organisations in great britain the professional union in england is far stronger and has far better players than its rival unions with better players with the recognition here of this principle it would be possible to have an interchange of visits between professional teams from new zealand and england just as we have now of amateur combinations at the same time i would not favour such visits unless they were under boards of control of some sort which would make pure sport their first consideration another thing it would be all very well if we had pure amateurism 
but have we got it here at present how often do we hear of men playing with a team simply because it is made worth their while in the shape of a situation or some other consideration again when some of our teams are touring how much in the way of compensation or additional pocket money is charged to managerial expenses amateur sport is one of the best things in the world and i thoroughly believe in it but if we are to have it let it be without any subterfuge local teams assured players sign agreements from inquiries made yesterday there seems very little doubt that the all-black professional team will be met by several strong combinations of local players in fact it was stated on good authority that numbers of the players have signed agreements to give their services and if this were not so it is hardly likely that the new zealanders would waste their time and money by coming here of course it might be argued that the presence of the team now in australia may be responsible for sydney being the rendezvous but then if there were no certainty of there being good teams raised here to play them it would have been just as convenient to have met in new zealand statement by mr hungerford new south wales union alert mr hungerford a member of the new south wales union who was seen yesterday is a strong believer in amateur sport and the professional movement gets no sympathy from him if there is any attempt to introduce professionalism he said i for one will fight the movement tooth and nail for it would mean the death of rugby he however intimated that the union was keenly alive to its responsibilities in the matter and would take decisive action as soon as it had something definite to go upon financial position of the team arrangements for a return visit wellington new zealand monday it has been definitely resolved that the professional football team shall leave for australia en route to england in the course of a week it is anticipated that a proportion of the amateurs now on tour in australia will cast in their lot with the professionals the report that gleeson of napier has been appointed manager is said to be incorrect but it is a fact that gleeson will be a playing member the personnel of the team has been decided upon except two it is stated that a good number of players are available for emergencies the financial position of the team is said to be exceptionally good and all possible calls will be met with ease quite apart from the prospective gate takings it is reported here that arrangements will probably be made for a tour of a new south wales professional team to yorkshire in nineteen hundred and eight it is the intention of the new zealanders when in england to arrange for a visit to australia and new zealand in nineteen hundred and nine of a team representing the northern rugby union professional football any change that strikes at the roots of our national sports touches most of us in a vital point and it is clear from the comment on the mere rumour of a coming professionalism in football that this subject will arouse much more heated controversy than would the fall of a federal ministry or a state election as yet professionalism in football is an empty threat that may very well fail to realise itself but the talk of its possibility has brought to the surface an undercurrent of feeling familiar enough to those who follow the game closely and which is all the better out in the open and faced fairly the specious pleas that may be offered on behalf of professionalism in any sport are many and varied as those who might presume to share in the gate money and the reasoning of its supporters will 
it is to be expected, appeal to not a few. We are told that we shall be making no real change, that we shall only at last be calling things by their right names, and that in fact many clubs pay directly or indirectly for the services of their players. Of course, there is some truth in this charge, but such insidious happenings at their worst fall far short of outright professionalism, and they do not affect the amateur status and self-sacrifice of the immense bulk of players. Again, it is easy to accuse the Metropolitan Union of not offering a fair deal, and there will no doubt be malcontents to catch at this argument, and the only reply is that the Union is human and does its best. It is a thousand pities that there should be so much of this feeling, ready to fly to the surface. The statement is probably exaggerated that a majority of club players would abandon their amateur status as soon as professional terms, with a share in the gate money, were formed. But allowing for exaggeration, it is plain that amateurship is not recognised for the sacrosanct thing it is. The moment a money interest enters a game, it begins to fall prey to a host of evils. It is this precisely that has done so much harm to the turf. In football especially, professionalism has proved a curse wherever it has been allowed to get the upper hand. It destroys the instinct of legitimate sportsmanship very quickly for the player, and it teaches the onlooker as quickly to mistake the play for a contest of gladiators, hired at that. The best thing about our English sports, apart from their intrinsic healthfulness, is that they maintain for us in afterlife the traditions of the great public school, and extend those traditions into every grade of society. But that indefinable sportsmanship ever withers at the taint of professionalism. It is said that there is room for the amateur and professional side by side. This is precisely what there is not. Mr. Payton well indicates the poor lookout financially for a professional caste, and to divide the players so would be to split rugby into two feeble halves. This is folly in itself, and exceptional folly in the circumstances. Rugby, with all its tenacity, cohesion and prestige, has as much as it can do to hold its own against the Australian game, a game well enough, but not rugby, and the enthusiastic rugbyite who listens to the pleading of the would-be professional will rub his eyes a little later, it may be, to find his sport extinct. End of part two.